This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We are preventing an international intifada, declared Sharon Haskell, a member of the Knesset there in Israel. She said Israel is not only fighting Hamas, Israel is fighting for the future of Western culture and values. The chair of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus and a prominent international advocate for Israel is member of the Knesset Sharon Haskell. She went to the southern border of Israel to Gaza for the purpose of engaging in a crucial discussion about the potential consequences should Israel not emerge victorious in its war against Hamas. She said, we are preventing an international intifada. In America, Paris, Barcelona, they, that is, extremist Muslims, are chanting for the massacre and murder of people who do not believe in Islam but believe in Western values. The Christians, she said, were the most persecuted minority in the Middle East. But they are almost done with the Christians, she said. Obviously, the Jews are next. She was standing amidst the haunting scene where the acrid odor of death hung heavy in the air and buildings stood charred in black and gray with ominous pools of darkened blood. Haskell emphasized that when Hamas entered Israel on October 7th, they were fully aware of the consequences of their actions. She said Iran sent Hamas through our southern border and wanted Israel to fight back. Iran is behind Hezbollah. Fire on our northern border and the missiles coming from Syria. We are fighting a three-front war in Israel right now. She said, who do you think is behind it? Israel is the little Satan. America is the big Satan. And this is a war against radical Islam. Israel must eradicate Hamas, she said, to send a message to Iran, which has its finger on the red button and would press it if believed it could win. This war has nothing to do with territory and everything to do with values and sanctity for life, said Haskell. This is a religious war. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms, and we have been trying to say this for years, friends, that what we are facing is a growing religious war. It comes under many colors. It comes under many flags. But indeed, it is a religious war. It is a battle against Judeo-Christian values, beliefs, and the Bible itself. And it is taking on a mixture of politics and uh, territorial disputes, and uh, ethnic disputes, just as Jesus in the book of Matthew said it would. But behind it all is a religious war. It's a battle for domination of the world. It is a battle for ruling the world from the Temple Mount. Lest you should think that I'm exaggerating here, I urge you to stay tuned today on Viewpoint, friends. 
Viewpoint does determine destiny. It always will, and it always has. That is, your viewpoint. Each one of our viewpoints determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. So it's necessary that we have our information correct. Information always leads in some way to some sort of transformation, whether for good or for ill, for honesty or for dishonesty. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at this bigger picture, and I urge you to stay tuned. When a member of the Knesset, serious-minded, comes out and makes such a bold and clear statement, you need to listen up. In the Western world, we don't want to listen up to something that claims to be a religious war because we have adopted a, well, should we say, an unholy trinity theological outlook. That unholy trinity is multiculturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness. Once you have moved into that unholy trinity of belief, there is no way out. You will be willing to ignore facts. You'll be willing to know, uh, ignore science. You'll be willing to ignore anything that mitigates against multiculturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness. Therefore, the Western world is imprisoned in its own artificial, ungodly theological system of multiculturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness, which renders us incapable of understanding or being willing to admit the realities that are facing us. If you're not willing to identify the enemy, if you're not willing to identify the realities on the ground, and you're willing to lie to yourself, in order to preserve a false theology, a secular theology of multiculturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness, you are doomed to destruction. I'm stating that very clearly, friends. You know, it's interesting that the Russian Times came out with an article just a couple of days ago called, America, Your History is Being Erased. Why destroying the Robert E. Lee statue is an insult to the nation. Remember, this is the Russian Times, friends, that's writing something that you cannot hear in American uh, communications today. As we speak, here in Richmond, Virginia, the capital of Virginia, where Robert E. Lee, yes, indeed, led the southern, southern forces not because he was in favor of slavery, but because he felt that the entire economic situation was such that it would not be able to endure, and he was a Southerner, and they trusted him. He was not a slave proponent. In fact, he is probably one of the finest Christian gentlemen ever to rule in the military of the United States of America, Robert E. Lee. So why is it that at this moment they are cutting up that famous statue that once stood on Monument Boulevard in Richmond, Virginia, together with many other uh, statues, including other Christians such as Stonewall Jackson, 
fine Christian gentleman. You need to find out who he really was. Why is it they're cutting them down and melting them down? Well, if we can't admit it in the United States, at least the Russian Times can tell us the truth. And here's what it is. They're doing it to destroy our identity as a country. They're melting down the statutes, removing them all across America, not just in uh, Richmond, Virginia, all across America, removing Columbus, removing all the statutes that they possibly can so that there will be no further allegiance in this country to the principles upon which we stand. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Here is the salient statement coming from the article from the Russian Times on November 6th. The United States political left is no longer content with canceling thoughts and words, but has taken its Orwellian sword to the annals of history as well. What will become of a nation, referring to the United States, that seeks to eliminate all vestiges of its past? The Russian Times is telling us we are purposely self-destructing. Who is leading that fight? It's not evangelical Christians. No. It's not God-fearing people. No. It's those who despise the God of creation who have chosen to try to secularize this country and remove all vestiges of Christian belief in order to establish a one-world government that is godless. That's the goal. So even within our own country, it is a religious war. It's a religious war of the godless secularists to destroy all vestiges of the Christian faith and along with that the orthodox Jewish faith. That leaves then Islam as the only remnant that they're not trying to destroy but are trying to support because of multiculturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness. Christianity and Judaism are the odd men out. So, how are we then to understand the dynamics and to respond as good, honest, faithful citizens in the United States of America? You don't even have to be an evangelical Christian to understand what we're talking about here. 
It is blatant. It's open on its face. When Barack Obama, during his campaign, covered over a Christian statue that was behind him in order to give his speech. When the Democrat Party in 2012, down there in Florida, refused to give any credit to God or mention to God in its platform. And when they declared Barack Obama to be the Messiah, you know that something very strange is afoot. Indeed it is. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the implications of this. Before we get into that, I just want to give you some feedback concerning this last weekend or last week. Uh, You'll recall that uh, we were heading up to Massachusetts to hold our annual breakfast with our listeners Some of those listeners have been listening for over 20 years to this program. Our program began to be listened to on the Internet in Massachusetts and Connecticut and also in the greater Richmond, Virginia area. That's the reason we go there, because we have so many listeners there. And they are very hungry because... The Northeast is an extremely liberal area of the country. Many of them embrace the multiculturalism, religious pluralism, political correctness, and have walked away, or actually run away, from the very foundations that establish their very states, whether it be Massachusetts, whether it be Connecticut, whether it be Maryland, all up and down the East Coast, the very spirit that established those states is being ridiculed, mocked, and rejected. And so those who are continuing to seek to follow the ways of the Lord that were at the foundation of those states are very discouraged and welcome us with open arms. In addition to that, you may recall that I spoke at two very large Russian-Ukrainian churches. This will be, I think, the eighth or ninth time, maybe the tenth time I have spoken to one of them, and the first time to the other. And now, if things go the way people are hoping, more Russian-Ukrainian churches will be open to us because those people are desperately concerned about what has happened to America. They came here for religious freedom. They came from the Soviet Union. They experienced what communism was like. They experienced the environment of Marxism. They see what happened in their country happening rapidly in this country, and they also see their young people... 40 years of age and under, gradually being absorbed into the godless spirit of American culture. And they are very concerned. That's the reason why they asked me to come speak. Because they believe that their young people, these people having heard this radio program, they believe that their young people are more prone 
to listen to a lawyer, a former lawyer, speak on these subjects than perhaps anyone else. And so they open their eyes, they open their arms greatly to us. Would you be shocked to know that every time we go there and offer our books and materials in those churches, that children ages 8 to 15 go to our book table and are the primary orders or purchasers of books, or at least purchase half of them. Would that shock you? I don't write lightweight books, friends. These books are normally 250 to 400 pages. One single mother gave an opportunity to her uh, children to each get a book, and each one of them selected books that were 250 to 400 pages. They selected the books which they will read. That's what's fascinating. In our country, it's hard to get a kid to read a book. Many of them don't even know how to read. But these kids, Russian-Ukrainian kids, are being trained much more in the way that the early settlers of Massachusetts and Connecticut were trained. You know, like the ones that formed Harvard University and Yale University. And now look what's happened to Harvard and Yale. They also were involved in the religious war. So much so that very wealthy Jewish supporters of Harvard and Yale, after hearing what the students and professors are doing in this religious war supporting Hamas, dedicated to the destruction of Christians and Jews and all other people who will not submit to Islam, they're saying, no more. We're not going to support you anymore. We see the light. This is a religious war. But nobody wants to call it that. That's really what it is. This is a war for the soul, not only of America, friends, but of the world. We are living in the end times. I hope you heard that clearly. As I spoke with the people there this last week, in each group I spoke concerning the times. This is what they wanted to understand. This is what they wanted to be able to connect the dots. The times. Yes, these are the times that try men's souls, no question about it. But much more particularly, friends, we need to understand from a biblical perspective, from God's perspective, what these times really are like. If we don't understand that, we're going to be caught up in all kinds of the political chicanery, the... Uh, uh, deception that's taking place. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples that two days before his crucifixion that deception would be the number one characteristic of the times just before his second coming. That's what he said right there in Matthew chapter 24. 
He said even professing Christians are going to be deceived to the max. Why? Because we do not understand what God has said in his word. We become lazy. We become, uh, in many respects, we've just fallen away. We bought the cultural, uh, we, we buy the, or, or sip on the cultural Kool-Aid instead of the living word of Christ himself. So, those things having been said, I want to uh, urge you, if you do not already have a copy of this book, King of the Mountain, uh, I have written a series of three books uh, of late in the last several years. Uh, King of the Mountain is the first of those. The eternally epic end-time battle for he who rules the temple uh, mount is deemed to rule the world. Then came Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. The last one was Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. Setting the stage for the last two was the book King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle. And uh, this is an $18 book, and uh, we're making it available to you for uh, your gift of $10 to Save America Ministries. We want to get the message out, friends. We just want to get the message out. Time is very, very short. I hope you heard what I just said. Time is running out. Not just time to save America. America is just we the people. It's the people that God's interested in. Not an institution called the corporate United States of America. It's we, the people. That's why our Constitution begins that way. We, the people. It's about the people. That's what this program is about. The people. That's what God is about. He said all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. Right there in the book of Isaiah. All the nations are as a drop in the bucket. In that sense, God will give special honor to some if they honor him. Them that honor me, I will honor, he said. When Israel did not honor God, nasty things happened. They were taken for 70 years to Babylon, for instance. They refused to obey God. When they refused to obey God in the ten northern tribes, he allowed Sennacherib to come in from Syria and take over and uh, take over the ten northern tribes of Israel and spread them around the world. God isn't done with Israel yet. He's still going to allow a remnant of the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to fulfill his covenant. And true followers of Jesus Christ who are grafted into that original olive tree by faith will also get to participate in the final uh, victory of Christ over the godless nations of the world. That's what the Bible teaches. 
Now, if you happen to be listening to this program for the first time or second or third time, I urge you to listen to maybe two weeks of programs in order to begin to get the drift of what we do here. You may not have heard anything quite so direct, quite so uh, explicit concerning issues. That's because most of the world, including our politicians and pastors and priests, are playing games. They're playing games with the culture, including the Pope. We don't play games here. That's why we don't have any commercial broadcast, any commercial support, because that would try to compel us to do what the supporters tell us to do or not do. We don't do that. Listen up. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Don't forget, Viewpoint determines destiny. Your viewpoint concerning the issues of our time determines destiny. You may not think you have power because you're just one person. But you see, the collective viewpoint of a nation or a state or a city depends upon you, the collective yous in the area. You make a difference. Your viewpoint counts. That's why your vote counts. But we're not talking about voting here today because that's a political issue. We're not here talking about a political issue today. People try to make it out to be a political issue, but it's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. For instance, I'm going to take you through some headlines here very quickly, and then we're going to go back to the the issue of Islam. Here's a series of headlines. Mike Johnson, which he's the new uh, Speaker of the House, fears God, Dems, that is Democrats, fear Mike Johnson. Why do they fear Mike Johnson? Because he fears God. And he's in the, the Speaker of the House, and they can't believe that he's become the Speaker of the House, and he's going to bring that viewpoint to bear on the Congress. Somebody asked him, well, Mr. Johnson, uh, what is your worldview? He said, the Bible is my worldview. Wow. Now another headline says, brace yourself, dear reader, Mike Johnson bombshell rocks the political world. Well, what is the bombshell? The bombshell is that Mike Johnson says he never watches pornography. And... 
has set up a system within his household of accountability to protect he and his sons from watching pornography. The liberal Democrat Party went berserk when he said that. You know what that's telling us? It's telling us about our times. And here's another one. Syphilis cases in U.S. newborns skyrocketed last year. Alarmed by yet another jump in syphilis cases in newborns, U.S. health officials are calling for stepped-up prevention measures. Well, friends, there's only one way to prevent these things. Stop the sexual promiscuity. God doesn't allow or permit sexual promiscuity. We are receiving in our bodies the recompense of the reward that the great apostle Paul talked about in the book of Romans, chapter 1, describing what would happen in the end of the age. Next, Ohio voters approved issue number one, making killing babies in abortion a so-called right in the state constitution up to birth. In other words, friends, this is Ohio in the Midwest Offering, authorizing by law per the authority of the citizens to offer up America's children unto Moloch. Are you listening? And that is taking place. That spirit now is sweeping the land. It caused a political upset in Virginia. Radically changing the picture in this country. Yes, even after Roe versus Wade was deemed unconstitutional. The people are declaring they want to murder their children. You can put whatever spin on it you want, but it's all for personal peace and affluence. It's not about the welfare of the mother, it's not about the welfare of the kids, it's about personal peace and affluence. Period. In other words, gross selfishness. Next headline, Tehran, capital of Iran, predicts Russia-China-Iran triangle of power. We talked about this just the week before we left for Connecticut and Massachusetts. This is a new global uh, order, a new global order that is being established together with the BRIC nations, to fight against the West, the increasingly godless West, described as NATO, which is the resurrected Roman Empire of the days of the prophet Daniel. He spoke about it, the final great reigning global power just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And finally, Many nations cutting links to Israel over its response to terror attacks. You see, they don't realize this is a religious war. This is a spiritual issue. This is not uh, about protecting innocent people. Nobody wants to kill or destroy innocent people except Hamas. That's why they have put their uh, gatherings and their equipment and so on uh, under hospitals in Moss and uh, in private homes, and uh, in, in public places. 
they are attracting Israel to come and dare them to take them out in those places so that they can use that against the rest of the nations of the world against Israel. That's all it is. It is a religious motivated battle. Now that having been said, I want you to get a copy of the book King of the Mountain. And you're going to see why even the more so in a few moments. Here is a $20 book, yours for $10, on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. King of the Mountain. Now, let me share with you the some excerpts from the first few pages of a chapter entitled Muhammad versus the Pope. Jerusalem is the holy grail of jihad. It is the symbol of Islam's triumph over the world to establish an Islamic throne upon the Temple Mount. Early in the 7th century, a new people and a new faith appeared on the world stage. In September of 622 A.D., the prophet Muhammad fled from the hostile city of Mecca to Medina, known as the Al-Hajra, or Al-Hagira, marked the beginning of what might be called the Muslim era. Within only 11 years, the followers of Muhammad exploded out of Arabia and began a brutal military pursuit of domination of the then-known world. In other words, they haven't just suddenly turned violent in order to protect a territory. They were violent from the beginning. Within 10 years, the Arab Muslims not only defeated the Byzantine Empire, that is Eastern Rome, but also controlled Damascus and Jerusalem. Within 20 years, they controlled Syria, Palestine, Egypt, and the Persian Empire. And you think, friends, you're listening to the uh, ridiculous statements that are coming out of Hamas and out of uh, uh, the Pope's mouth even, that all this is just a matter of some territory and, you know, if Israel just give up some more land and if Israel just be nice and, if, you know, just be nice to the Palestinians. No, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. From the very get-go, it was a religious war. Islam against the world. That was the vision of Muhammad. Amazingly, their advance to control all of Europe was stopped short in 732 A.D. by Charles Martel, only 150 miles from Paris. Three of the Pope's five historic patriarchies, Alexandria, Antioch, and Jerusalem, were all decimated. All of the Christian churches of North Africa disappeared except for the Copts of Egypt. The lands which had seen the origins of Christianity were all lost, never to this day to be truly recovered. The Eastern Roman Empire was hideously maimed. As the Belgian historian Henry Perrine suggested, it was Mohammed who made Charlemagne possible. 
So two empires collided. Christianity and Islam. The threat of the rapidly advancing Muslims was of great moment to the papacy of Rome. That threat was augmented by perpetual political assaults through Europe on the Pope's power. Hence, when Charlemagne reached Rome in 800 AD to be anointed by Pope Leo with the crown and scepter of the Emperor of the Romans to reign over a Holy Roman Empire, the battle lines were clearly drawn between the colliding empires of Papal Rome and the ever-pressing and growing power of Islam. There was no truce, only the biding of time. Which of the contestants for world dominion would gain the upper hand in history? Apart from the Christian faith, Islam is arguably the most influential religion in the world, with approximately 1.2, 1.3 billion followers. Islam is the correct name for the religion of Muhammad, while Muslim describes a follower of Islam. Islam dominates over 50% of the countries on three continents. Now, Muhammad claimed to have received visions or supernatural revelations from God, Allah, or Allah, through the angel Gabriel. Those revelations were compiled into a book called the Quran. The majority of, uh, there are two principal schools of Islam. The majority of Muslims are Sunnis, that's 90%. The, the minority are Shiite, 10%. There are also millions of Muslims, mystics called Sufis. The overtly belligerent black Muslim movement, Nation of Islam, has dominated in America. The meaning, heart, and soul of Islam is submission. It is this defining term and the full implications thereof that the Western world fails to grasp, either knowingly or uh, negligently, either intentionally or through the massive interpretive deception born of political correctness, religious pluralism, and multiculturalism. It's as if the West has voluntarily blindfolded itself to the religious, political, and indeed global implications and intent woven into Mohammedan submission. We'll talk more about that when we get back, friends. This is serious. More serious than perhaps you even realize. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. I want you to know those who are listening for the first or uh, you know have not been listening for a while uh, need to know that I do not have an axe to grind personally against uh, an individual uh, Muslim. In fact, I've had wonderful conversations with a number. 
just, in fact, this last week. So wonderful was the conversation that that particular person began listening to this program. Mm-hmm. But the person acknowledged that that person was not a, shall we say, dyed-in-the-wool, Mohammedan-type, uh, jihadist-type Muslim. No, that person was what you might call a cultural Muslim. The majority are what you might call cultural Muslims, just like the majority of people in this country who call themselves Christians are not Christians at all. They're just cultural Christians. In other words, they were born in a seemingly Christian nation, and uh, they, they're not of some other religion, so they claim to be Christian. They're cultural Christians. They're not necessarily dedicated to the word, the will, and the ways of God. And that's the way it is among Muslim people. One gentleman that I had a conversation years ago with several times uh, in uh, FedEx, he, uh, in our conversations, he came out and he said, you know what? He said, I believe you truly are a godly person. Wow. That was coming from a sincere Muslim. So I don't have an ax to grind, so to speak, my heart is as concerned about people who are Muslims as those who are uh, claiming to be Christians but aren't walking with Christ uh, and those who aren't following the Lord at all. God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you see, Islam does not offer that. You will either submit to Islam at the point of a sword or you will submit to a horrific taxation system from which you will never recover. That's Islam. Domination. Domination not by consent, but by the sword. Radically contrary to the Christian faith. The God of Islam cannot possibly be the same God of the Christian faith because... Islam demands submission to Allah to submit to Sharia law, the governing code of Islam, or do and do so by force or threat of force at the point of a sword or of a nuclear weapon. And that's why Iran wants a nuclear weapon. So, to be honest, when the Republican President George W. Bush declared following the infamous September 11, 2001 attack on the World Trade Center towers and the U.S. Pentagon and Capitol that Islam is a peaceful religion that was hijacked by terrorist extremists, he either knowingly or negligently misstated the truth. It was absolutely untrue. When Britain's then Prime Minister Tony Blair, catering to the West's dominating deception of political correctness, religious pluralism, and multiculturalism, said that when anyone thinks of Islam, their first thoughts should be of peace, tolerance, and force are good. He blatantly blinded his fellow Brits in reality. In fact, in an interview with Muslim News, the Prime Minister boasted that he had no truck at all, no problem at all with those who suggest that conflict is inevitable between Islam and the West. He said he wants the Muslim community to feel fully accepted and catered for in Britain. 
so he assured the world. As the founder of the Faith Foundation, dedicated to unite the religions of the world so as to undergird the emerging new world order, that he reads his Quran as a good Roman Catholic every day. The deception that came from George W. Bush and Tony Blair is almost beyond the pale, friends. They did more harm to the Western mind and heart set than anybody that I can think of in recent memory, except for Barack Obama. According to Islam, at the core, the world and its leaders are going to have to quickly face and admit an unspeakable reality, and that is that Islam, at its very core, is absolutely mandated by Muhammad, his Quran, and the supporting Hadiths to rule the world and to bring every nation, every religion, and every person inhabiting the planet under the rulership of a global caliphate that will undemocratically impose Sharia law under the expected Mahdi, the Islamic Messiah. And I hate to put it so bluntly, but this warning truth is knocking loudly. It's insistently knocking at the door of every president, every prime minister, every pastor, every priest, and yes, the Pope himself. One can hear the deafening clash of cultures that's now in near final formation for a battle beyond the belief of the Tony Blairs, George Bushes, and Barack Obamas of the world, or Joe Bidens. But it's coming, and it's coming very, very rapidly. We're seeing it now being played out. So what is jihad? The focus of jihad is to overcome people who don't accept Islam. So here's what the Quran itself says. Those who reject Islam must be killed. If they turn back from Islam, take them and kill them wherever you find them. That's in Surah 489. From Surah 47.4. So when you meet those who disbelieve Islamic teaching, smite their necks till when you have killed and wounded many of them, then bind a bond firmly. In other words, take them as captives. From Surah 9, 123. O you who believe, fight those of the disbelievers who are close to you and let them find harshness in you. That's just a small illustration, friends. For the true Muslim, there's only one way to guarantee entrance into paradise. The only way to know for sure that you're going to get to paradise is to die in jihad. To die while fighting the enemy. So you can see why. These young Muslims are willing to throw their bodies as, shall we say, living sacrifices for Allah. Christians are not willing to give their lives as a living sacrifice, but Muslim jihadists are. It's amazing. And the reality is that Islam is not just a religion, it's a government too. Islam teaches that Allah is the only authority, therefore political systems have to be based on Allah's teaching and nothing else. 
So people fighting jihad consider themselves to have succeeded when a nation declares Islam is both their religion and their form of government. So here is the statement. For a genuine Muslim, the worship of Allah is universal with no residual resistance. The rule of Sharia law is universal with no residual resistance. So you can see why the very concept of democracy or a democratic republic as a form of government is just absolutely diametrically opposed to Islamic belief. So George W. Bush, when he thought he was going to save the world through democracy and go into Iraq and uh, turn them over into a democracy and do the same in other Islamic countries, he was ignorant, utterly ignorant. And look what America suffered as a result. Carefully consider the global implications of this verse from the Quran. Fight and slay pagans, that is, non-Muslims, wherever you find them, and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem of war. There we have it. Friends, what we're looking at is a spiritual war. It's a religious war, yes. But bigger than that, it's a spiritual war. It is a war of whether the spirit of the creator God, as described in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, is God, or whether the so-called revelation to Muhammad through the supposed ancient uh, angel Gabriel is the truth. Iran claiming the role of global Islamic leader, the vanguard of the Islamic revolution boasts, quote, there will be war and we'll win. And even the Vat- as the Vatican strives to extend its pontificate across the planet, so Muslims boldly strike, quote, Christianity should be destroyed and wiped from the face of the earth, unquote. The real battle, friends, is not Muhammad versus the Pope. The real battle is Muhammad versus Christ. Because the Pope is a mere man. And he is bending and twisting to every uh, machination of human thought in order to try to win more people over to a one-world government of the Western world, the resurrected Roman Empire, that he thinks he is going to be a leader of. And that's why he is one of the key proponents, not opponents, but proponents of the Western One World Order under a great reset, the uniting of NATO uh, as the resurrected Roman Empire of ancient times to uh, rule the world, And so there are three world orders that are being formed as we speak. One is the Western world order that the Pope sees himself as being a significant part of the rulership of, to rule from the Temple Mount. In in fact, the papacy actually has declared in writing 
Their intention is not to rule the world from the Vatican, but to rule the world from the Temple Mount. And that's why they've been seeking, with every effort they could over the past 25 years, to gain all of the various positions in Israel where Jesus walked, including, including the seat of the Last Supper and the throne of David. Mm-hmm. And then you have Russia being pushed into the arms of China, forming together another world order, together with possibly Iran, but certainly with the BRICS nations. It is a secular, economic-based world order that is forming right in front of our eyes. So that when the time comes, the book of Revelation chapter 16 will be fulfilled when it's Hall's says that the kings of the east will come and march on Israel toward the great battle of Armageddon across a dried-up Euphrates River, of which Turkey plays a major part. And then, of course, we have Islam. There we have the three great orders of the world that will come into final conflict at the Battle of Armageddon, each to rule the world in their own viewpoint. Where will you and I stand? There's only one king, friends. Jesus Christ, King of the Mountain, do not be swayed by all the deceptions, political or otherwise, that are taking place. Establish your place in his kingdom Today, do it today, don't delay, because Jesus is coming soon. The book, King of the Mountain, a $20 book, yours for $10 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, write to us at Save America Ministries, add $5 for postage and handling, become a partner, send your gifts, friends, by faith, do it today, help us to get the message out more broadly while time remains. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.